0: Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport, Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Piers Edwards and by Stuart Weir on the show. This week we continue to look back at the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations as Amir Safai has been appointed as Cote d'Ivoire coach on a permanent basis after leading the Elephants to the title. We ask how he's likely to get on and we analyse Egypt's decision to appoint their all-time top goalscorer scorer Hossam Hassan as their coach. Plus, with the qualifiers for the women's football tournament at this year's Paris Olympics continuing over the next few days, we hear from Zambia's Rachel Kundanangi, who recently became the world's most expensive female footballer ever.
1: I'm just looking forward, you know, to meet my new family, my new team, and uh, uh, to, to 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 do more because I need to 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 reach my target.
0: That's coming shortly. Plus, as FIFA's chief of global football development, Arsène Wenger says that FIFA will establish 75 football academies worldwide. We look at what this means for Africa. So it's a busy show, lots happening right now and we start at the 2024 FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup. It ends in Dubai on Sunday but the African interest is over already with Senegal and Egypt both exiting at the group stage. Uh, Senegal finished fourth at the last edition in 2021. That's Africa's best ever performance at the Beach Soccer World Cup but they were eliminated after finishing third in Group C this time with one win over Colombia but defeats to Japan and to Belarus. Egypt finished third in Group A. They beat the USA in extra time, but they lost to Italy and to the host, the United Arab Emirates. Egypt are set to host the Beach Soccer Africa Cup of Nations later this year. Uh, the date's not confirmed yet. And the qualifiers for the women's football tournament at this year's Paris Olympics continue over the next few days with the first and second legs of the third round of qualifying. It's a really grueling qualification format with four rounds and only two spots for Africa. So the winner of these ties go into the fourth and final round in April to decide the two slots for Africa. Cameroon play Nigeria, Tanzania are up against South Africa. It's Tunisia against Morocco and Ghana will face Zambia. Now in the Zambia squad is Rachel Kundanangi, who recently became the world's most expensive female footballer ever. As we highlighted last week, 23-year-old Kundanangi has moved to Bay FC in the American National Women's Soccer League for $860,000 from Madrid in Spain. As she became the first African player, male or female, to break a world transfer record kunda angie's moving to the u s a after eighteen months in Madrid where she scored thirty three goals in forty three games. She told Faz TV that she's looking forward to playing in the U.S.
1: I'm just looking forward, you know, to meet my new family, <laughs> my new team and uh, uh, to, 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 to do more because I need to, to, to reach my target because uh, my target was to become a top scholar this season in, in Spain but uh, I left uh, uh, the, the league in the middle of the way so I want to extend that uh, target to, to the American League so uh, I need to focus and uh, work hard every
0: time. That's Rachel Kundanangi, so Zambia will play Ghana. But in extremely sad news, a member of the Zambia squad died this week while with the national team in their training camp. Striker Noreen Bertani, who played for the Ndeni Roses football club, was part of the Zambia squad as she died on Wednesday morning at the university teaching hospital after being diagnosed with suspected malaria. So our deepest condolences to family and friends of Noreen Betani. Well also the CAF Champions League continues this weekend with the fifth round of group games. We'll see some teams qualifying for the quarter finals. T.P. Mazembe of DR Congo will qualify if they can beat Pyramids of Egypt, and Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa will make it if they can win away to Nouadhibou in Mauritania. That's in Group A, member at the Africa Cup of Nations, the South Africa Defence, and goalkeeper Ronwyn Williams, all from Mamelodi Sundowns. In Group C, a big all-Tunisian clash. Etoile du Sahel currently third up against Esperance, who are second. Okay, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, there's still so much to talk about around the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, with the host Cote d'Ivoire, of course, the fairy tale winners in Abidjan a couple of weeks ago. Well, Safai has been appointed as Cote d'Ivoire coach on a permanent deal after leading the elephants to the title. The 40-year-old took over on an interim basis after Frenchman Jean-Louis Gasset was fired during the group stage. On the same day that Gasset was fired, the Ivorians progressed as the last of the four best third-place teams and Faye oversaw an incredible turnaround for the hosts in the knockout stage. So I'm joined by Piers Edwards, African football expert in the UK. Uh, Sir Piers Fai got the job done in unforgettable fashion at the Nations Cup. Uh, but going forward, is he the right man for the job? Well, why not? I mean, you only have to look at what he has done
2: to feel that he is very much the right man for the job at the moment. He had served his time preparing for this role. Uh, he was in youth football in France for well over a decade. Uh, he then took charge of the reserve side at uh, League. Uh, club clermont foot before he then spent what nearly a year and a half as the assistant to uh french coach jean-louis gasset before being thrust into the elephants uh handling let's say uh during the nation's cup and what a performance he duly achieved there as we as we know and i think one of the key points to think to point out is that he, he brings as much experience as many untried coaches who have uh led and coached in Africa before, with the m- massive difference being that he has, of course, played on the continent extensively. Uh, he was in the 2006 Nations Cup, amongst other tournaments, playing every minute as the Elephants got to the final. Uh, he brings a bit of European experience as well as African experience, so he he's one of those coaches who, who's got a blend of both camps, a little bit like Aliou Cisse uh, with Senegal, who obviously won in uh, the 2021 Nations Cup, and Jamel Balmadi, who uh, led Algeria to the 2019 title. But I think um, the thing that really marks him out was his his bold action, uh, his decisive decisions. He was a tough player. He's been uh, equally aggressive as a coach. you just got to look at some of the changes that he made when he came in in his first match in charge against Senegal. He rang the changes. He brought in those players that he knew could do a job, the likes of Max Gradel. Uh, Jean-Michael Serri, he brought in a Cossonou at the back. Then, when they were losing, he went for it. He brought in the changes, five substitutions against the Senegalese. Late on, he did, uh, bowl changes again against Mali, taking off, uh, Serge Aurier, the captain who was booked, given they couldn't afford to go down to nine men, having lost a man in the first half against Mali. And, um, the way in which he, he slowly reintroduced Sebastian Allaire as well. All these things. Just worked in his favour. And when you consider the fact that his side went down and trailed in three of the four knockout matches, despite coming through in all of them, I mean, it's just uh, incredible that he always managed to find an answer. So he's got a huge credit in the bank after conducting Mission Impossible. He's shown his leadership. He's shown his absolutely his tactical skills. After winning the Nations Cup in only his, what, fourth game in, in, in senior management, one suspects the only way is down. But we shall see. He's got the World Cup qualifiers coming up first in June and then the Nations Cup qualifiers at the end of the year. Um, and I think he, he, he should sail through those. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on at the World Cup should he manage to get uh, Ivory Coast there for the 2026 finals.
0: Yes, certainly would be interesting. Uh, Asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Uh, Should Immersify have continued as Cote d'Ivoire coach? So he's been appointed on a permanent basis after winning the Nations Cup with the Elephants. Uh, But does he have much more to achieve with Cote d'Ivoire? Should he maybe have tried for a job elsewhere after winning the Nations Cup? And can he maintain the high standard with the Elephants? You can post a comment on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a... WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Should Immersify have continued as the Cote d'Ivoire coach. And Egypt have also gone for a local coach, appointing their all-time top goal scorer Hossam Hassan as coach, replacing Portuguese Rui Vitora, who was fired after the Pharaohs' round of 16 exit. Well, his twin brother Ibrahim Hassan has been named as the team manager too. As appears, how do you see Hossam Hassan doing, and uh, just how are Egypt as a team right now, would you say? Well, let's start with the team. I must be honest, I didn't think that Egypt were too bad during the Nations
2: Cup. Okay, they didn't uh, win a game, but they didn't lose one either and uh, to my mind, the team was was playing well. They had a really good pace, uh, good energy, real dynamism about them in the group stages, especially, bizarrely, once uh, Mohamed Salah was injured, and I certainly felt there was more to come from that team. They went out, on course, on uh, penalties uh, to DR Congo, and um, let's not forget as well that a key man, Imam Ashur, uh, who missed that game against the Congolese, was one of their star performers, and he makes that side tick. So I don't think they were too bad, but the dismissal of uh, Rui Vitori, seemed to have far more to do with money than actual uh, on-pitch results. His monthly salary was just enormous. $200,000 per month is what it was reported to be. And the Egyptian FA were paying him in dollars. And with the Egyptian pound having uh, suffered a a deep devaluation in recent times, this made him both costly and very expendable. In contrast, Hossam Hassan, uh, the legendary former striker, is getting a wage around a sixth of that some... uh, £30,000 per month, which is all coming in Egyptian pounds, and that's obviously going to make a huge difference. So what, how is he going to do? Is he the right man for the job? I must be honest, I'm not quite convinced. I think he's the man for the moment, uh, given the finances um, of the Egyptian FA. He he certainly infuses teams with his spirit and his passion, and he will bring uh, in-camp discipline as well to the team. But um I know that there were huge amounts of fans who wanted him and wanted that discipline. But there were also fears about his hot-headed nature, his language, which can be robust, let's say it'll be interesting to see how he gets on with the foreign based players who are, who are probably used to a more refined atmosphere but his, uh, he cannot control his his temper on occasions uh, just last year he was sacked by Al Masri uh, after he insulted all the board members in front of the players during half time of a game and uh, Al Mazri later came out to say that some of the players who were unhappy with the repeated insult from both uh, Hossam Hassan and his twin brother Ibrahim had even asked if they could terminate their contracts so that gives you an indication and what it's like to play under him and I think certainly his relationship with Mo Salah is going to be interesting to watch he criticised the Liverpool staff for leaving the camp when he was injured during the Nations Cup uh, it's also worth bearing in mind that Salah is is closing in on Hossam Hassan's all-time Egyptian scoring record um And I think that Salah has in in the past uh, tended to turn up to camps a little bit late despite being captain. That's simply not going to be tolerated by uh, Hassan. Uh, And the final thing to point out is that uh, despite being in management for many, many a year, and despite having won something like 40 trophies as a player, three of them the Nations Cup itself, he's never actually won a, a, a trophy as a manager uh, I think it's going to be an incredibly bumpy ride for him as Egypt coach. And I'm
0: not sure it's going to be the happiest time, but it's going to be certainly one to follow. Uh, so we'll see how it goes for Hossam Hassan as the Pharaoh's coach uh, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport uh, FIFA's Chief of Global Football Development Arsene Wenger says that FIFA will establish 75 football academies worldwide including in Cote d'Ivoire Cameroon Zambia and Ghana by 2026 uh, the legendary former Arsenal coach was at some of the Africa Cup of Nations games and he had lots of praise for the tournament and also spoke about FIFA's plans for academies
3: I would say uh, there have been uh, remarkable improvements since the last uh, tournament the organization the quality of the pitches the level of organization on the pitch as well and uh, the commitment was intense and I would say uh, overall it was the tournament of the small margins between the teams difficult to predict who will win and uh, it looks to be a trend in the world that uh team don't give you space away. Let's not forget it's 1.4 billion people in Africa, you know. The potential, it's a gold mine for football. And uh, to make uh, stronger clubs, to have stronger competitions is uh, vital because that was the success of Europe, is that they have strong clubs uh, and uh, good education. And uh, we want that uh, to develop that as well in Africa, everywhere. It's starting, it's do, doing get getting quickly, very quickly better, but we we want to support that development. I would say the next steps is uh education of the young players. I personally have a dream that uh, in every confederation, especially in Africa, they can challenge really for the World Cup. you know they are not far, but they need to make that little step, and uh I'm trying to convince as well uh the African countries uh that uh, they have a the potential but they just need to push very quickly the development of their young players. The talent is there. They're on the right track, and uh, we want to encourage them, uh, FIFA, to do it. Over the next six months uh, and uh, one year is to open more academies. We are now uh, close to open a new one in uh, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Liberia, Ghana, Zambia. We want to develop uh, five new academies there.
0: So that's Arsene Wenger, FIFA's Chief of Global Football Development. Uh, so Piers, this was initially mentioned last year. Uh, so how do you think that FIFA academies would benefit football in Africa, given that uh, some of the most successful academies on the continent are privately run or run by clubs?
2: Uh, that's a very good question, but I think on the whole, the uh, answer would Be uh, that they can benefit, absolutely. FIFA are keen on uh, giving a chance to all to play football uh, as if this is like a a human right. And one key thing that they have uh, stressed repeatedly is that unlike some uh, academies on the continent or even around the world, a FIFA academy will be free to join. Uh, There are many children in the world who don't get the chance to develop their talent. We can change that, uh, is what Arsene Wenger, uh, who heads up, this uh, FIFA global football development plan uh, has said, and that's not just in terms of football, but also education wise, like uh, some academies in Africa, but not all FIFA's academies will be delivering a uh, scholastic education alongside a football one. Uh, the emphasis, of course, being on the football and that they receive uh, proper training. Wenger is very keen on maximizing the amount of contact that uh, the youngsters who will be about 12 to 15 uh, will have when they train, i.e. he's a big fan of smaller pitches with reduced numbers so that you can have as much contact on the ball as possible and then he's also keen that there's a pathway uh, to the senior game from the junior game uh, which is just right in terms of the balance between training and competitive matches and that's not just for the players but also for the coaches uh, with the quality of the latter absolutely key in Wenger's eyes and no doubt in the eyes of those are wishing to join too as it's not just going to be boys who will be at these academies but girls too and uh, providing a safe Environment is a stated aim of FIFA and one I imagine that many in Africa will welcome too. especially, let's be honest, given the reports we've heard uh, over the years from some of, let's say, the very worst academies and um, focusing on the women's side of the sport for a moment. This should be a huge boost given uh, the lack of training opportunities and international youth sides. Uh, for girls all across the world not just in africa so that can only be a bonus then there are questions of course it'll be interesting to see what the federations make of these fifa academies just how many players uh in the youth teams of a country will feature the players from a fifa academy what will be the af? Outcry. If they don't, I'm interested in, in seeing what happens to these players once they leave the academies. Is there going to be a, a financial element to, to buying a player from a FIFA academy or do they just go out into the world and, and get a contract and, and, and it's from there? Anyway, what we certainly do know is that there are three pillars to this plan. They want to identify talents. They want to train players to the best of their ability, especially technically. And then they want to give them competitive opportunities. So that's basically it. And uh, on those competitive opportunities, there might much further down the line be a stipulation that uh, certainly, well, all leagues uh, will field a certain number of homegrown players in order for the talent to be able to blossom. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. It's all pretty much very uh, worthy and idealistic. And the hope is, of course, this will raise the standard of uh, football all around the world, uh, especially for those less wealthy nations so that they can catch up uh, with the heavyweight powers who have been for many years decades even been providing their talent with the best opportunities so uh it, it's an interesting project fenger is very very uh, messianic about it and it will be very interesting to see how
0: it uh, how it performs Yeah, certainly will. Uh, Thanks, Piers. African football expert, uh, Piers Edwards, joining us uh, from the UK. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, uh, Stuart on the English Premier League, with Liverpool still on top. You can follow us on X at PlanetsportFA and our website is planetsport.tv and we've got a couple of Africa Cup of Nations blogs there. Uh, AFCON, the day of the underdog, looks at how we can draw inspiration from those big upsets at the Nations Cup and also looking at how some of the upsets at the Nations Cup show that teamwork pays. Another blog there called Team Players Back Each Other and Find a Way to Win. Those blogs on our website planetsport.tv and you click on the blog section. Let's go to social media now. Last week on the show, we asked who else should have been in the Africa Cup of Nations team of the tournament as a CAFSA 11 players making their team of the tournament were goalkeeper Ron Wen Williams of South Africa, who saved four penalties in that shootout against Cape Verde, the defenders William Kong and Ola Aina of Nigeria, Gislaine Conan of Cote d'Ivoire, Chancellor Mbemba, the DR Congo captain, midfielders Teboho Mokwena of South Africa and Jean Kael Seri and Frank Kessier of Cote d'Ivoire, and the strikers Yohan Wissa of DRC, Adamola Lukman of Nigeria, and Emilio Unsue of Equatorial Guinea. Well, we had quite a few comments from Nigeria. Christian Effiong says Calvin Bassey should have been there in the left-back position. Oscar Onye Wueni said the same. Uh, so too Victor Onajero Bogdi, uh, saying Calvin Bassey, also known as last bus stop, should have been there. Nobody else played as well as him as a left-back or left-centre-back at the Nations Cup, uh, says uh, Oscar Uh, Also, Sedeco Suno in the Gambia says uh, Angolan Mabululu should have been included. Also impressed with Angola, Camo Gelo in South Africa says Gelson Dala should have been there in the team of the tournament. Bolong Baji in the Gambia says, I think uh, two defenders of Cape Verde should have been there. As Logan Costa and Pico, their role was pivotal, says Bolong. And uh, some people noticed the big contribution of Simon Adingra of Cote d'Ivoire uh Jabon Mbani Lenyora in Botswana. Uh, saying Adingra should have been there and Momo Momo in the Gambia says he played a vital role in the Nations Cup although uh, perhaps that was more in the semi-finals and in the final well, thanks very much for those contributions also on the previous week's question we asked if this was the best Africa Cup of Nations ever Sow in the Gambia says yes it was one of the best ever played uh, we in Africa learned two things that African coaches are showcasing their competency and also the application of var no other continent has done it as well africa's on the right path in football long live african football says Abdoulaye. and uh, alassane drame in the gambia too says that yes they did very well and uh, thanks to the host nation for great organization and congratulations to CAF for a successful tournament i'm a proud african says uh, alassane Right now, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir in the UK. And, uh, Stuart, Liverpool still on top. Well, still on top, four points clear of Manchester City. And
1: while City have a game in hand, that Liverpool have a four-point lead means that City now cannot catch them unless Liverpool slip up. Liverpool had a 4-1 win at Brentford with Mo Salah fit and scoring. And midweek, they beat Luton Town 4-1, but they struggled. Luton led for 45 minutes before Liverpool got four late goals. But that most significant game last weekend was Manchester City held to a draw at home by Chelsea. And actually, Chelsea took the lead in the first half and held it until the 83rd minute when Rothery scored and the game finished 1-1. Of course, Steve Roderick had to score in order to maintain his own remarkable sequence of not having lost while playing per City in over a year. Arsenal won 5-0 at Burnley and remember last weekend they won 6-0 at West Ham. This must be a record for the most goals scored in consecutive away games and it's 21 goals in their last five Premier League games. And two goals from Ollie Watkins, such a consistent striker, gave Villa a 2-1 win at Fulham to move them into the top four. Tottenham slipped out of the top four losing 2-1 at home to Wolves. What a great job Gary O'Neill has done taking Wolves to 11th place in the Premier League. And remember, this was after the previous manager, Loptegui, resigned, saying that the squad of players were not good enough to survive. Manchester United were 2-0 up at Luton after seven minutes, but finished the game struggling to hold on to a 2-1 lead. But a win is a win, and United are just five points out of the fourth place and Champions League places. Now, one if not two African goals saw Nottingham Forest beating West Ham. Awani scored the first and Hudson-Odoi. Remember we mentioned him last week that Callum hudson Adoy is being pursued by Ghana uh, in the hope that he'll change his allegiance to play for the Black Stars. And a nightmare continues for Calvin Phillips. Remember we talked about him signing for Manchester City from Leeds as a current England international but in two seasons he only started two league games, then went to West Ham coming on as a sub or being subbed and last weekend he got a red card or two yellow cards in fact and what he's been playing for West Ham, the goal aggregate in his four West Ham games is West Ham 1, opponents 12 not the start he was hoping for the Bottom three in the Premier League is Sheffield United, Burnley and Luton, the three promoted clubs. Well, three of the top four in the Championship are Leicester, Leeds and Southampton. That's right, the three relegated clubs. And this weekend we see Manchester City away to Bournemouth, Arsenal at home to Newcastle both on Saturday... And Liverpool are playing Chelsea in the final of the League Cup on Sunday, but they've already played the extra game so they won't fall behind in, in the league table.
0: Yes, a Liverpool playing Chelsea in the EFL Cup final with uh, an injury crisis. And uh, Stuart Crystal Palace have a uh, new manager. He's uh, Austrian. Yes, Oliver
1: Glasner has been appointed to succeed Roy Hodgson. Hodgson is 76 and has stood down due to health issues. But the speed with which Glasner's appointment was announced suggested that the move was already in the pipeline. Hodgson has been manager of Crystal Palace for six of the last seven years. Glasner is a 49-year-old Austrian who played over 400 games in his own country, was a manager in Austria and four years in Germany, most recently with Eintracht Frankfurt, whom he took to seventh in the German league to a Europa Cup win and the knockout stages of the Champions League. While Glasner's credentials look great on paper, he has absolutely no experience of English football, having neither played nor coached at any level in England. And for that reason alone, I think we have to view his appointment as a risk. Thirteen games left, and Palace find themselves in 16th place. That's two places and four points above relegation.
0: Yes, we'll see how uh, he does there at Crystal Palace and uh, UEFA Champions League a round of 16. uh, first legs are all done very disappointing display from Arsenal, Stuart Well Steve, I was just saying
1: that in their last two league games, Arsenal scored five and six goals, but away to Porto, they only managed one shot on goal in 90 minutes and it got worse for them when Porto scored in stoppage time PSV Eindhoven drew 1-1 with Borussia Dortmund, PSV had Ismail Sabari from Morocco in their lineup. And probably the game of the, the round was Napoli won, Barcelona won, with goals from Victor Ossiman for Napoli and Lewandowski for Barcelona. And as well as Victor, there were two other Africans in the Napoli team. That's Aguisa from
0: Cameroon and Traoré from Cote d'Ivoire. Yes, there's still lots to play for. Uh, Stuart, lots of talk about uh, this possible sin bin being introduced uh, into football. Deliberations are very much uh, still on, but uh, what exactly is this? Well, first of all, the international board which controls the laws has now
1: agreed that it can be trialled. And it's a situation which is used in some other sports, meaning that a yellow card will mean 10 minutes off the pitch in the sin bin, leaving your team a player short. People keep talking about the 2020 European Championship when Bukayo Saka, for England, had the ball in the wing and Giorgio Cellini cynically body-checked him into touch. To be fair, it was not violent and Cellini, the archetypal Italian defender, was only doing what he'd been brought up to do, stop the opposition attacking. He got a yellow card, but of course it was the last game of the championship, so the yellow card was completely meaningless. No real penalty for the foul. And the question is, had Cellini known that his foul was going to leave his team short for 10 minutes, would he have done it? An alternative view is that it it should also include dissent, so that if a player again knew that he was risking spending 10 minutes in the bin, would he still argue with the ref? One possibility is that this will be trialled in the FA Cup uh, next season. And I'm all for this, and I'd love to see how it pans out.
0: Well, yes, there'll be lots and lots of debate and discussion on that one still to come. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, and from Stuart Weir and Piers Edwards in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.